Welcome into the At The Yard Podcast. We've got another packed show for you today. We're going to start with Ryan Ozella previewing the Central Coast section, take you on the San Diego Swing with Jack Shannon, before taking a look at opening day in the Southern section with Steve Doherty. Then we'll close things out with NorCal Scouting Director Blaine Clemens chopping it up about everything NorCal baseball. All that and much more on episode 36 of the At The Yard Podcast. Welcome back to the At The Yard Podcast. It's time to head north and take a look at the CCS Focus with area scout Ryan Ozella. Ryan, this year it looks like the CCS is going to be about as good as I can remember. Let's take a look. What are your thoughts initially on the CCS here in 2020? Yeah, Les, I'm excited to be back on and uh, talking about the CCS again. Uh, the Central Coast section, like you said, man, it's one of those ones this year. It's super, super deep. Um, you know, there's a really big dog at the top in Valley Christian who, you know, four years straight of winning the CCS Open Division. Um, they're right in the middle of that Power 25, and I can see them working their way up to the top five again like they did last year. Um, but overall, I think there's, you know, three really, really, really deep sections with eight teams in them. Uh, then there's two more sections that are going to be really competitive as well. Um, so it's one of those uh, years this year where there's going to be a lot of talent. The playoffs are going to be very tough. Uh, and a lot, I think a lot of those teams are going to be really battle-tested here in the early part of the season. Yeah, you mentioned Valley Christian there. Obviously, they have some players that we're really familiar with. But let's let's take a look at, at what, what your outlook is on Valley Christian here for 2020. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think they're still the top dog in the section. Uh, winning four straight CCS Opens kind of gives them that that power. Um, but not only that, they're pr- bringing back a lot of proven vets. Um, 2020 outfielder Eddie Park has been there for a couple years, been starting it since he was a sophomore. Um, Trevor Haskins stepped in last year at shortstop. He's a 21. Uh, he's going to continue to be kind of one of their main focus guys. Uh, right-hand pitcher, first baseman, John Simrod's been up there since he was a freshman. Um, so they've got a lot of guys that have come back and are going to continue to be their focus. Uh, but with that said, they've got a lot of young guys that are going to step in and, and fill up some of those roles uh, from the guys who jumped up into the, the college levels after last season. So uh, I think that whole West Catholic League in general is going to be very, very tough. Uh, it's another seven teams. Also, I mean, seven of the eight teams made the playoffs last year. Uh, and I think that's going to happen again this year with four of them in the open uh, division last year. Uh, so that just kind of goes to showcase how much depth and, and talent is really in that division right there. Yeah, that that league is, I mean, a lot of people call it the Trinity League of Northern California just because of what you just mentioned there. It is deep. And I want to go back to Valley Christian for a second. We, we saw Eddie Park and we saw John Simrod at the preseason All-State there in NorCal. And, you know, Simrod, what impressed me is just – the way he's kind of transformed his body from, you know, when I saw him a year ago to what we see now. And, and, and it looks like he's just kind of more comfortable in his skin is starting to come into himself physically. And then Eddie Park, obviously, you know, a, a high level player, a Stanford commit and outfielder who can really run and can, I mean, the power in the bat though is something that's really beginning to develop with him. Wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, that's one of those questions I think people have always had. We've always seen the uh, the bat to ball skills. He's able to you know spray the ball all the way around the field whenever he needs it. Um, but I think he's starting to understand that he's got some more power in that frame, and when he really lets it loose, he can get to it. Um, Simrot's another guy I think that's done that very well. He started to understand his body, started to understand how his swing works a little bit more consistently, uh, and I can see him tapping into that pull, pull side power especially. Um, the other one that you didn't mention, Trevor Haskins, I think he's going to be one of those guys in the 21 class who uh, a lot of people are going to be talking about and is going to continue to get better. Um, he's shortened up the swing but has still allowed it to be athletic, um, still be powerful. And he's going to be a guy, especially defensively, who can really take some steps for them in the next level. Yeah, let's let's kind of move down the line here and go over to the Pacific Coast League. And looks like there's some change going on here with the league this year. Why don't you take us through that? For sure. So um, there's three different divisions in the Pacific Coast League. The Gabilan is the top one. Um, so they took two or three of the teams from the, the B section last year and have moved them up and rearranged it. Um, it's really become an eight-team gauntlet. I mean, all eight teams have players that are really talented. Um, if you look through the committed and uncommitted lists I put out the last week, um, there's a lot of guys on those teams from that Pacific Coast League. Uh, and I think it's one of those leagues that uh, gets passed over a little bit when it shouldn't be. Um, you know, they play three times a week in league. Um, so there's those local rivalries that have been built up over years. And uh, I just think it's one of those leagues that's going to continue to get better. Um, this area down here in Salinas and uh, Pacific Grove and Monterey, uh, you know, San Benito's obviously a team right there that have all been very good. Um, you know, last year they had, uh, I think, five teams in, in the different playoffs. Um, and I think they could probably push it again this year to even maybe having six. Yeah, and, and for those of you interested in checking out those pieces Ryan's been putting out, you can find them at prepbaseballreport.com slash California, or you can go to Ryan's Twitter at Rye, R-Y, Ozella, O-Z-E-L-L-A. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that's awesome. I, I love these leagues going to this three times a week, you know, playing games three times a week. I think, you know, at least down here in Southern California, the Trinity League started that. Now you've got the Mission League doing it, the Big Eight League doing it, and I, it just really goes to show program depths, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, when you have three games in a week, and it's not only the games against um, really talented teams, it adds that situation where you have to have the pitching depth, you have to have the depth uh, offensively, defensively. Um, if an injury occurs, then all of a sudden you're going into the depth even more and you're bringing up maybe a young guy to have to come step in. Uh, and I think that's a great thing for these teams to learn is to, to have to figure out how to do that because uh, if you want those kids to be able to play at the next level at college where they're playing uh, four or five times in a week at times, that's the things that they have to be prepared to do. Yeah, and I know that was kind of the mindset there, uh, at least down here when the Trinity League went to that. And, uh, you know, they call it the Griffin Canning rule, who is now Griffin Canning now pitching with the Angels. Uh, you know, they kind of jokingly say it because his senior year he got to – you know, get a couple of wins against each team there, but they shifted gear. So it's really exciting that, that more leagues are following suit. And uh, lastly, you want to dive in on here is the Santa Clara Valley League. What do you got there? Yeah, the Santa Clara Valley League is another one where uh, it's a little bit more top heavy, but the six teams, five teams at the top are all really, really talented. Um, you know, at the very top of that, you got Los Gatos, who I think could probably be one of the top uh, two or three teams in this entire section right now. Um, they return a lot of really talented 2020s. Uh, their 2021 class is really deep. Um, so even with kind of doing the preseason preview of them, they didn't even mention many of their 22s or 23s. Uh, but I know that they've got some other guys coming up as well that it's going to keep them in, in the situation as being a top team in the open division as well. 
Um, but to go along with that league, there's also Palo Alto, who I think is going to be uh, a surprise team. They lost a couple of big seniors from last year, but um, their young depth is going to be really good and really talented. Los Altos is another one that I think is going to be really much, uh, a lot better. They have a couple of guys who I think are going to blow up. One of them, Aaron Parker, uh, the catcher third baseman, who I think could be a pro guy here in the next year and a year and a half. Um, he's got some really talented bat to ball skills and can get to the power really easily. Um, then you add in Mountain View, who won the Division II championship last year. You've got Wilcox, who is consistently really good. Um, so that's another conference that I think is going to be really talented, is really going to push uh, to get as many teams into the playoffs again as well. Let's shift gears here and take a look at some of the top teams up in the Central Coast section. And, you know, it starts at the top with the team we just discussed with Valley Christian. Uh, so let's let's take a walk down this top 10 that you have here. For sure. So my top 10 right now in the Central Coast section, uh, it starts with Valley Christian, uh, like those guys we mentioned. Then they've got a couple other guys and 21 uh, right-hand pitcher, first baseman Griffin Allen. Um, they've got a 23 right-hand pitcher outfielder, Jacob Hudson, who's going to make a lot of noise. Uh, and then they got a kind of utility guy, 21 Jackson Wall, who can kind of do a little bit of everything infield, outfield. Uh, I think they're still the team to beat and going to be the number one team. Uh, my number two team is Los Gatos. Like I said, a really talented team. Uh, Tommy Troy, Tommy Splain, uh, Logan Johnstone, another outfielder, uh, Jared Quanta catcher. I just think they're a team that's going to have a, a really deep lineup and is going to be tough to get out. Um, how they kind of make those pitching adjustments is going to be where the, uh, they end up at the end of the season. Uh, Sarah right now from San Mateo is my number three. Um, they've got some really good top arms and Drew Dowd. Uh, but their 21 class is really, really deep, and I think that's going to help make their offense a lot better this season um, and give them a chance to make another deep run in the open playoffs. Uh, the fourth team I got is uh, Archbishop Mitty, another West Catholic team. Um, you know, they got Nick York in the middle of their lineup. They got Jake Geis on the hill, who's another talented 21. Uh, Ray Mello Murphy, who's an outfielder in the 21 class, and then 22, Zach York, who's an infielder who can kind of play a lot of different positions. Um, number five that I have is Aptos. Um, they're in the Santa, uh, the Santa Cruz Coast League um, and another team that's just really loaded with talent. Uh, Luke Kieschel, 20 shortstop, uh, 20 shortstop outfielder Jack Bollinger, um, 21 right-hand pitcher Nathan Bruce, 22 pitcher left-hander uh, Owen Duke, and another right-hander for the 22 class Reed Mooring. Um, they're just a class that keeps kind of getting young guys and getting them better, and I think they're going to take a step here forward this year. Uh, the sixth team I have is Palo Alto. I kind of mentioned some of those uh, talents that they have, but Xander Darby, a 21 middle infielder, um, 21 middle infielder catcher, Aiden Berger. Uh, and now they have, a, I saw another 22 infielder, eight, uh, Andre Herkin, who's going to be a guy to follow as well. Um, following them up, I got San Benito. Um, San Benito's got probably one of the best arms in the, in the section, 22 right-hand picture, Jackson Pace. Uh, they got power in the middle of their lineup with catcher, uh, 20 Marcus Aranda, and first baseman, 20 Travis Shaw. Uh, following them up, I've got Monterey, who's also in the PCAL, the Pacific Coast League. Uh, 20, Michael, uh, 20 outfielder Michael Mugan, 20 infielder Justin Deal, and 20 third baseman Isaac Velasquez should be the heart of that lineup and carry them. Uh, following Monterey, I've got two last teams here. Number nine, Sacred Heart Cathedral Prep. Um, another team from the West Catholic League that I think is going to be really talented. They're pitching uh, Owen Stevenson, who's a 20, and Uday Narodum, who's a 20. Um, kind of give them some lead up there. And then they've got some 22s in uh, their shortstop, Lucas Kelly, and their first baseman, Colin Spear, who are going to be in the middle of that lineup doing some damage. And then the last team I have in my top 10 right now is uh, Leland. Uh, you know, they're led by their 20 outfielder, Carson Yates, who I think is probably one of the best draft guys in this area. Uh, another Lucas uh, outfielder, Lucas Marizzi, who's a 20. Um, Joey Taddy, who's a catcher first baseman, who's a 20. And another outfielder, uh, second baseman, uh, Kikoa Lopez. So 
offensively they can really get after it for them i think they're gonna have to figure out what they're pitching to be able to stick into that top 10 through the season yeah i'm with you with yates man he really blew up over at the area codes last summer and just kind of man he, he he was next level stuff there for the a's uh area code teams and uh you know obviously eventually committed to ucla there in the fall but uh you know that's a good segue into our you know your top draft eligible players uh in the area obviously prep players we're not looking at the you know college draft eligible guys but uh let's let's go through this list it starts with nick york a guy that you know we you've seen a whole lot more than i have but a guy that we've seen plenty uh really really a big fan of this guy's yeah, I mean, Nick York's one of those kids who you got to just keep rooting for this kid. He's awesome off the field, but on the field, he's even better. Um, the bat-to-ball skills are really, really good. Uh, during the area code games, he was one of those guys who just – he squares up everybody and anything. Uh, he finds ways to get to the ball to the bat. Um, he can play shortstop. He can play center field. He can play second base. He can play third base. Uh, he's just an athlete that goes out there and executes. Um, another guy that's a middle infielder from this area, uh, Los Gatos 2020, Tommy Troy, uh, a Stanford commit, I think is one of those guys who's going to be uh, a really good pro prospect here. Um, you know, the question always with those Stanford guys is, can you get them uh, out of their commitments to school? Um, to me, I think, you know, Tommy Troy's got a really high future, great arm, big bat, um, speed combination, uh, can play in the middle infield, probably play some outfield, uh, play all over the infield. Those two guys right there are kind of my top two ones uh, in this area. Um, the third guy, like you just mentioned, Carson Yates is a guy who um, really blew up for me last season. Uh, the bat to ball skills, the the super plus athlete, um, the arm strength. You know, he's a football guy as well, so he's going to probably be doing trying to do that at UCLA. So, another guy that's going to be a real question of if they can get him out of that commitment because uh, if they can, I think he's got a really really high upside for the MLB side. Yeah, I, I'm a big, big fan of, of Carson Yates, no doubt. And he's a guy that you know, his cousin uh, is Evan Yates, who is a right-handed pitcher, uh, infielder out here in, in SoCal, committed to Cal State Fullerton, is, is kind of along the same lines when you look at their frame. Uh, very, very similar. But we're going to keep going down this list. Drew Dowd, left-handed pitcher out of Sarah, Stanford commit. And you talked about those Stanford commits. I mean, there's three on this list. Uh, you know, it's going to be a challenge for for scouts to get those guys away from that. Yeah, absolutely. And Drew Dowd's a kid that, you know, the stuff is always been top of the line type of stuff. Uh, for him, it's always been about trying to stay healthy and trying to be uh, in the program and being able to pitch on a consistent basis. Um, he's one of those guys that I think if he goes and has the spring that he could have, um, a lot more scouts are going to be calling him up and trying to figure out where they where they can kind of see if about getting him out of that. Uh, but I agree with you, those Stanford commits are going to be really tough. And, the, you know, the third one that you just mentioned and that we've talked a little bit about already is Eddie Park, who um, the bat-to-ball skills carry over to that level the speed carries over to that level the defense carries over um for him it's some of those questions of you know what position does he play and, and can he tap into that power more consistently and if he can uh he'll be another guy that the mlb drafts or scouts are going to be talking to and, and trying to figure out yeah let's go down the list another guy that i mean two guys to me that really kind of uh uh, took off for me at least last summer uh, in seeing them. You know, one of them, Rowan Trotsky, uh, and then Brendan Bobo was really, really good at the area code games, wasn't he? 
Yeah, and Rowan Trotsky is a kid that I think is going to be um, a really projectable frame for the next level. He's already in the low 90s with the fastball, the curveball, um, has some late depth. And I think if he can develop that third pitch, guys are going to want to see if he can fit um, that starter profile for the next level. But Brendan Bobo is a kid that I've followed for the last couple years. Um, you know, he's about a five minute drive from my house. So um, he's one of those guys I've always really liked. Uh, and then when he drew, kind of blew up at the area code tryouts, I was surprised to see how he was compared to everyone else. Um, you know, Harbor's a little bit of a smaller school, so he doesn't get to play as much of the talent in the area. But when he showed up against some of that talent, uh, he showed he belongs. And, you know, from there went on to commit to Fullerton. And just the way the body is, it's, you know, 6'2", 180, 6'3", 180, the arm strength to stick on the left side, the power in the bat to be a power hitting uh, third baseman shortstop. Um, I think he's a guy that guys are going to want to see against some of the top competition and kind of measure it out um, to see if he fits as well, because he's a name that could jump into that draft conversation as well. Yeah, and the last guy that you put on this list, I'm really glad you did, uh, Michael Mugan out of Monterey High School. Man, when he came to the uh, so the NorCal preseason All-State there, he just looked way more physical than the last time I had seen him. Yeah, and I think we mentioned him during the last podcast. He's a guy that I think has got a chance to to really showcase the skills. Um, if not, you know, this year, a couple years in college, he'll be a name that scouts are going to follow uh, and want to keep their eyes on because I think he's got a, a very, very bright future. Yeah, Ryan, you've been putting out some, some content here lately, obviously lots of content, but uh, as it pertains to the CCS focus, you know, you put out a couple of committed and uncommitted lists to watch. Uh, you know, what, what are some of the guys maybe on the uncommitted list that we didn't discuss here that that might be, uh, you know, a name that you maybe give us a name or two from that list that we didn't talk about that, you know, college coaches are going to want to know about? For sure. Um, you know, from the 2020 group, I, one of the kids that continues to stand out to me is Max Farfan. Uh, he's a third baseman at Salinas. Uh, I think the arm strength, the power is there. Um, you know, last year he was hitting behind Nathan Martorello, who's now a first baseman starting for Cal as a freshman. Um, and he did a lot of damage because guys didn't want to pitch to Nathan. Uh, and they said, oh, well, let's take our chances with Max. And Max Max punished a lot of it. Um, he's the type of kid who I think the body is continuing to shape better. Uh, I think he's just got a, a, some more upside available and as a, a position at third base with the power and the arm that can fit at the next level. So he's definitely one game from the 2020 class that I'm following really closely. Um, from the 21 class, there's a few different names uh, down here in that Pacific Coast League. One of the kids that I've been really impressed with lately is Nathan Wood, who's a catcher down at Palma. Uh, sorry, not Palma, at Pacific Grove. Um, he's a kid that has really improved. Um, you know, maturity's taken its, its toll on him. And he's starting to get bigger, stronger. Um, and when you have those types of kids that have that maturity take over with the work ethic and the strength that he had already had there, um, he's a kid that I think guys are going to want to get on and, and kind of look at and see how he fits. Um, last year he started as a sophomore and did a lot of things really well for Pacific Grove. He hits in the middle of that lineup. Um, the arm strength is there to throw guys out. Uh, the receiving continues to keep getting better, but I think with all that new strength, he's going to get better there as well. Um, one of the 22s I'm following is another couple of kids from down, uh, down here. One of them, um, sorry, last, uh, Brendan Moore. A right-hand pitcher at Pacific Grove. Uh, he started as a freshman there. 
Um, you know, 83, 85 right now, maybe a little bit higher here in the spring. Um, he's a guy that I think has got some real upside on the hill. Um, another 22 that I've been really a big fan of over this couple, uh, last couple of seasons and, and uh, through this year is um, Zach York, an infielder at Midi. Um, we kind of mentioned him a little bit, but I think, you know, he's going to follow Nick. He's going to follow his older brother, Joe. Uh, he's going to be able to hit. He's going to play some different positions. Uh, he's a guy that I really like as well. And one other name from the 22 class that I've been a really big fan of recently, uh, seeing him a lot, is Will Bowen, who's an outfielder at Sarah. Uh, he's a, a kid, a left-hander, who can probably play both corner spots. Um, the bat power is real. He can really swing it a lot. Uh, his arm strength is right there. Uh, for him, I think the thing is, is you just got to keep working on getting a little bit faster, adding that ability then to, to stick in the outfield and, uh, and be able to play all three of those positions would be a real benefit for him. Uh, but those are just a few of the names right now. The 23 class, I've got a couple of names, but um, I think let's let, let's send people to the, the site to check those ones out because those guys are going to be really ones to, uh, some big ones to follow here in the near future. Yeah, again, you can check that out on prepbaseballreport.com or you can find those on Ryan's Twitter at Ryozella, O-Z-E-L-L-A. Ryan, as usual, man, great job breaking down the CCS and really appreciate you making some time. Absolutely, always enjoyed, man. Welcome back to the At The Art Podcast. It's time to go on the San Diego Swing with Jack Shannon, who is gearing up for opening day down in the San Diego section this weekend. Jack, a lot of big-time matchups coming up here in the first week or two as tournament play kicks off the season. you got to be pretty excited to actually get going here for games for real here this weekend. I'm pumped. Saturday's opening day. Really excited to finally get to this point. Uh, some good early season matchups, like you said, hitting some good teams together. San Diego always does a really good job with early season tournaments, facing teams uh, that don't normally play each other in league and getting some good matchups, which we have early on. Yeah, well, one of those good matchups is taking place on Saturday, and you'll be there. And it's a, it's a kind of a throwback for you, right? I mean, you were at the opening day last year, and it was La Jolla Country Day at Torrey Pines, and those two teams, both of them stacked with some good players, uh, are facing off again this weekend to kick things off. Yeah, there's been a lot of hype around Torrey Pines uh, with 61 commits, so it'll be good to see those guys. Uh, of the six, we've got five Division One bats. Grud Zalonic going to UCLA, Baum going to Riverside, Sim at San Diego, Williams at Cal, and Johnston at Cal, so... We're talking five legitimate D1 bats in one lineup. So it'll see. It'll be really cool to see how they mesh and if they just come out of the gate firing or it takes a little time for them to get going. But just to have that kind of firepower in one lineup at a public high school is pretty awesome. And then when you've got an ace, Evan McCleary-Brown, who is also a Division One commit going to New Mexico, who I heard has an absolutely filthy breaking ball, uh, going on the mound uh, game one should be really exciting to watch so on paper Tory Pines opening day looks legit looks for real yeah no doubt you talked about those five division one bats for Tory Pines I mean obviously the famous guy there is Kevin Sim and Sim you know we saw him a bunch obviously during the summer and into the fall he looks to have made some some adjustments to his swing 
uh, at least in the fall during scout ball that where we saw him that are really starting to pay dividends. So it'll be exciting to see what he's able to put together this season. Uh, and if he's able to get himself back kind of in the, you know, the good graces, if you will, of, of pro scouts, what, what's your take on Sim as a you know, overall, and then, you know, maybe kind of take us through some of these D one bats that Tory Pines has. Sim works extremely hard. All I ever hear is that all that guy does is hit, 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 hit. So it's great to hear players that are just doing everything they can to craft their sport, craft their bats, trying to be as good as they can be. Uh, His swing is a little bit different, but it's definitely got the launch angle and the power behind it. And a lot of things that you see in 2020 that uh, pro scouts and hitting coaches like to see in hitters. Uh, Torrey Pines has a pretty short porch and left. I saw him launch two balls that were not even at their apex going over that fence. Uh, I'm going to go out on the limb here and say, I I think he should hit 10 to 15 home runs this year. Uh, With that kind of swing, with this kind of uh, uh, protection he has around him, everything that's going into his senior year, four years on varsity, uh, comfortable, I've uh, been working at this for a while. I, I think he's, I, I'm ready for him to put up double-digit home runs this year. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the protection, man, because that's so big, right? I mean, it's particularly, obviously, we see it in, in pro ball and college ball, but particularly in high school ball where you generally don't have a lineup with five Division One bats. So, uh, you know, I don't think that you're going too far out on a limb there because he's going to get pitches to hit. So it'll be pretty interesting. On the other side, though, in the other dugout, you know, La Jolla Country Day is not, it's not a bare cupboard over there, right? And and they've got one guy that that is starting to really creep up and starting to make some noise and a guy that we've known about a little bit for uh, here for the last couple of years. EJ Kreutzman, you had a really interesting conversation uh, with his with a quarterback coach uh, that broke him down. Kreutzman, you know, obviously a two-sport guy there at La Jolla Country Day, played quarterback. Uh Therefore, the Tories and uh, you know is now is now playing baseball. But you take us through that conversation. What did this quarterback coach tell you about him? Well, he Jose Muller works for Left Coast Athletics, and he 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 started out by just telling me a little bit of his stats. So EJ threw for five thousand eighty three passing yards, and that is the most in the state of California. He had 57 touchdown passes and 10 interceptions and a 67% completion percentage. Uh, He told me that their offense is wide open, West Coast style, spread it out, but he's not dinking and dumping the ball in the flats. He is throwing downfield. He is a legit quarterback. When I asked for a little bit more detail on him from a scouting perspective, uh, this is what he had to say. Kids are studs throws the football like an infielder went off platform, crazy confident and built super solid. Kids probably good at anything that involves a ball. That's awesome, right? I mean, that, to be able to, to carry that over from football to baseball, right? I mean, then that quote, I mean, kids probably good at anything that involves a ball. That's, I mean, if you're, if you're a, a coach that's got to get you excited, right? I mean, that what that tells me is the kid's a gym rat, right? I mean, he's probably constantly working on both football and baseball. Do you get that same impression? Definitely, and I I just see pure athlete too. I mean, quarterback, very difficult position. So many decisions having to be made in the moment. 
leading your team down the field. And then baseball, the same thing where it's, it's slowed down, but there's so many little things going on in baseball that, you know, you have to be very cerebral. So he, he just sounds like a great athlete. And I think any coach in any sport would be happy to get him on their team. And to see a guy like that doing it at a small school is exciting. And we saw him hit a mammoth home run at USD against Huntington Beach, in which they actually won that game. Hoy Country Day beat Huntington Beach in the preseason. Uh, so to see that and to see some pro scouts go, you know, <clears throat> raise their eyebrows a little bit, see his physicality and his body type and that swing uh, definitely makes him a name to watch this year. And it's one of the reasons why I included him on my 25 commits to watch yeah. list. Yeah, the Columbia commit, you know, that, that that's interesting there, right? I mean, Ivy League tells you a little bit about his commitment in the classroom as well. Uh, you know, really just an, just an interesting player uh, overall. And, and one of those guys, right, like it happens every year where a guy just kind of comes out of nowhere, uh, you know, and gets popped in the draft and decides to forego college and goes in the draft. And it'll be interesting to see if that's the case here with Kreutzmann here in 2020. Agreed. Yeah, so uh, you'll be at Torrey Pines for La Jolla Country Day against Torrey Pines. We have an intern now in San Diego, Joey Cohen. Uh, he's headed to Claremont against Scripps Ranch. Uh, be sure to follow us on PBR California, uh, at PBR California on Twitter, as we'll be updating that all weekend long and all season long. But let's take a look, uh, Jack, at some teams in San Diego. We obviously broke down a couple of the teams there, La Jolla Country Day and Torrey Pines. But some of the teams that you're anticipating uh, will have a you know a shot at making a deep run here uh, in the playoffs. Uh, you know, some of the teams you mentioned here are, are kind of your usual suspects, right? But there's a, an up-and-coming program, if you will, if you, you want to make that stretch and call them that. But uh, a program here the last couple of years that's really uh, turned things around in Point Loma. Uh, and, you know, they've got some 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 talent on this team. Uh, what What's kind of your expectation out of Point Loma this year? Uh, definitely another team that's in the reloading, not rebuilding category. They lost a really good player in Anthony Hall, but they're returning their stellar left side. That's arguably the best in San Diego with Deuce Gorson and Joey Barber on the left side and Arizona and UCSB commit. So to have uh, guys like that that played together last year heading into this season playing together again speaks volumes, and I expect them to have huge seasons. If you're a stats fan and you look for players purely off stats, Hunter Odegen, a Point Loma Nazarene commit, probably has the best stats returning of any 2020 in the entire county. I mean, the guy dealt on the mound and crushed it offensively. So if you're a stats guy, you look to him for his stats. And, you know, of an early season player of the year candidate, in my opinion, uh, if you base things off stats, not – what college you're going to or draft stock, things like that. But with those three guys and then with the young arm and Duke Ekstrom, uh, they've got a lot to like. I thought it was hilarious too when we were, I was beginning to write my 25 uncommits list and going through some guys. I put a Point Loma name down and then all of a sudden I hear that he's committed to SDSU. So it feels like every day they've got a new arm or a new guy that's committing somewhere. So that's just, again, speaks volumes of the program and the kind of talent that they have over at Point Loma. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Ochen because I saw him pitch at San Diego State for the MLK camp, and man, he was really good there for them. And that lineup, man, that lineup is deep. I mean, I know you mentioned Barber and Gorson, and you know Ekstrom swings it a little bit in that lineup, and but it's deep. There, there, it's a really talented, talented lineup. And speaking of another talented lineup, uh, East Lake, you talked about reloading and not rebuilding. Uh, these guys just. They seem to just reload every year, and this is going to be, this has a chance to be a really good year for them, uh, but it, this sets up for 2021, sets up for those guys just like incredibly, right? I mean, but let's break it down for them this year. What, what do you got on Eastlake? Yeah, I'd say they're neck and neck with Point Loma for the best left side in San Diego County. They've got Kai Saderstrom and Marcelo Mayer on the left side. USC and SDSU, uh, again, very sound defensively. Not many hits are going to get past them, and they're going to hit it themselves. So two really good bats and two really good gloves on the left side there that Coach Gallegos can be really excited about. A legitimate ace in Ray Sabolski headed to Long Beach State. Very important high school baseball to have that ace, that guy that you can count on to go five to seven innings every start, few runs. They had that last year with Ricky Tibbet. They need that again this year to get them deep into the playoffs. But like you said, when you got Marcelo Mayer and Ray Sabolski, you got your best hitter and your best pitcher are 2021. I'm excited for this season for them. I'm really excited for next year, especially since we're hearing there's going to be a Southern California state championship. So Eastlake really uh, should be excited next year with the new playoff format coming into play. Yeah, the one guy, one guy I think that is going to be the wild card for them is right-handed pitcher Dante Schmid. He's a guy we've seen a few times, and you know the the results have been a little inconsistent uh, for him. But I mean, gosh, he looks the part. You know, six two ish. Um, you know, one eighty five, one ninety five in that area. Uh, the arm works. Uh, you know, it's just a, a consistency thing, uh, I think, for him. And, and another junior for those guys to, to watch out for, Walker Lanham. Really like him, speedy outfielder. He's going to have a chance to, to contribute uh, some significant, uh, significant, in a significant way uh, for them this year. But let's, let's, let's head up the, uh, the 805 over to the 163 there. Let's make a stop at Helix High School, who has their own two-headed monster there uh, with uh, Jordan Thompson and Alonzo Richardson. Yeah, two legit shortstop right-handed pitchers, similar size guys uh, with big arms and speed and bats. You know, really exciting. I'm hearing preseason pitching uh, over at Helix was awesome. It's going to be tough to score runs off them. Uh, A lot to like with those two players. Any game you go to, there's going to be video or something to write up about those two guys and the supporting cast around them. But really exciting to just have a season where you've got two really special players on the same team, one going to LSU and the other going to SDSU, Uh, especially when we had Alonzo Richardson at our pro case last year, who was the only guy that got a hit off Jared Jones. I mean, it was an opposite field soft liner, but that was a Jared Jones outing where his first pitch was 97. He was throwing 91 mile changeups. Everyone's jaws were dropping, but, you know, this two-way, two-way guy from Helix High School came in and, and, and got a hit off him. So uh, I think that's really cool, and it just tells you that 
that's the kind of player he is. He he's good down here and he's good elsewhere. So it's really be really exciting to see him play this year. Yeah, that's going to be a fun a fun team to watch. They they seem to always kind of be in the mix there down in San Diego. And another team that's kind of you know should be in the mix here uh, in in this this season is Carlsbad, and in my opinion, one of the better power hitters in in maybe the entire state. Jack uh, is playing for Carlsbad. Yeah, you know, you don't hear enough about him, which is fine. Some guys like that lie in the weeds and then explode and hit 10 home runs and hit 422 as a junior and commit to Pepperdine. So things like that happen. I'm expecting a repeat performance. I see him a lot at the batting cages where I work with uh, a team that I help coach out. Uh, He's always there. All I ever hear is he's in the weight room. He's hitting constantly. The guy is a gym rat. Another really good thing to hear. I'm expecting a huge season out of him. One of the guys doesn't wear batting gloves, loves to hit to the opposite field. So a true ball player, that's just fun to watch. So, uh, you know, he's got big numbers he set last year that are going to be difficult to meet this year because people are going to be expecting things out of him. And, you know, there might be some pitching around or strategic ways of attacking him, but I'm expecting a big year out of him and, will be interesting to see if some uh, pro coverage follows him. Yeah, I mean, if, if you are looking for a bat to follow in San Diego County, uh, I mean, Thomas J.C. at Carlsbad, I think, is uh, got to be, you know, top two or three or four bats to follow uh, in, in San Diego County. And he's a guy, you're right, I mean, kind of lying in the weeds and, you know, had a big summer, uh, was another guy that was at the pro case and showed really well there. And you know, next thing you know, he commits to Pepperdine, but it's one of those things where, I mean, the guy couldn't get on the field at Torrey Pines for two years, goes to Carlsbad and has, you know, hits 422 with 10 homers. So uh, it's just, you know, baseball is a funny, funny sport, isn't it? It sure is. And it also tells you too, that sometimes certain programs aren't right for certain players. And, you know, I was a transfer in college myself. So, you know, it's all about finding a place that works for you and and works for players and um it's good to see when guys you know transfer or go somewhere else and it it works out for them because at the end of the day you want what's best for the players so it's good to see a story like that happen yeah jack before i let you go let's head back down to my old neighborhood there and let's take let's take a stop at uh bonita vista and let's talk about the barons because They've got some talent this year, and they have a chance to to make some noise. And obviously, competing against East Lake down the street there is never easy. But uh, you know, if there is a year, uh, you know, this might be the year for Benito. What do you got on them? They were great in the playoffs last year. They were tough. I saw them take on Sage Creek, uh, Point Loma. They were just a tough team. A lot of confidence. Guys meshed well. I saw them scouting games before them. Really good team chemistry uh, as far as preseason goes in 2020. Every time I talk to someone about Benita Vista, I'm, I'm always hearing different names, different guys. And I love that because it's not just one or two names I keep hearing about. I'm, I'm, I've got six, seven guys, you know, watch this dude, watch this dude, you know, check this guy out, see him on Twitter. So just telling me that they have depth, they have players, that multiple people are inquiring about. So things that as a high school team, you've just got to love depth, pitching, 
and then they've got a pro prospect and Nate Nankill. So they're going to, they've got tools to succeed this year. Yeah, we had a chance to see Nankill a bunch uh, in the summer and saw him at the area code tryouts, and I thought he was really, really good there. Uh, a little disappointed he didn't have the opportunity to play for that team because I think that would have just really elevated his prospects moving forward. But he's he's a guy that I, I really like. Another name, to, to a couple of names to keep an eye on there at Bonita, 2022 Joshua Bruce, big power bat, uh, and then 21 outfielder, right-handed pitcher Lucas Marujo. Like both of those guys, Bunch had a chance to see them not only at our events, but we've had a chance to see them play for their high school teams and then their summer teams. And you're going to get a chance to see those guys next week, right? Yeah, I'm planning on heading over to La Costa Canyon for their opening day, first game against Benita Vista. Should be a good one. LCC's got a 2021 right handed pitcher, Jack Mays, 6'3, righty with really good command. Uh, three pitches so he'll be going up against Benita so that'll be a really good early season test for the Barons and for the Mavericks as well so a fun game to open up and see against for those two teams all right Jack well I appreciate you taking us on the San Diego swing you can follow Jack on Twitter at jacked j-a-c-k-e-d underscore two three uh, hit him up on Twitter ask him any questions uh, obviously a great follow for those interested in San Diego County baseball. So Jack, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate you having me Les. Welcome back to the at the Arc podcast. Pumped to have SoCal area scout Steve Doherty join me and Doe. Busy couple of days here with opening day. Got out to a game yesterday uh, man, isn't it great to have baseball back? Opening day, man, opening week. Super stoked to get this thing going. Uh, we've already been on the trail, but now it's uh, it, it means something. It means something now. So super stoked to uh, continue our coverage and 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 see what uh, see what's out there this year. Yeah, well, let's get into it, man. You headed over to Edison uh, High School there in Huntington Beach for opening day. They they took on a Cerritos team that. You know, it's got a pretty big arm, and it's got a couple other guys that that I know that caught your attention. One of them we had seen before, I had seen before that I really liked. But let's dive into that. Let's dive into that game there, that doubleheader. What what'd you see over at Edison and Huntington? Yeah, you know, um, two good teams, and I think they will be, um, you know, vying for a, a a league title. Obviously, Edison in the uh, in, in the surf division and and um and cerritos in the 605 so you know edison started off with the sophomore on the mound tyler prestico at university of washington commit uh six foot one 185 pounds a guy that's just a really really good competitor kind of wears his emotions on his sleeves out there and um you know something to really look forward to for the next three years for for tyler and obviously, there's some other guys on, on that team, some uncommitted guys and guys that didn't get to pitch in that game. Uh, one senior, Tyler Weaver from Edison, has really stepped up and, and really made a name for himself here. He's an uncommitted kind of a guy um, and uh, you know plays middle infielder. He's really catching the attention of some schools and, and even some scouts. So um, you know, going down the line for Edison, Kate Leifer, a 21 middle infielder. Um, really strong player, 
up the middle. He's garnering some attention from some colleges now. He's going to be a great player. Watch the next few years. Cannon Morgan, their catcher, and you know another 21 um, that's really strong, left-handed hitter, good catch and throw guy. And uh, it's just actually a really exciting young team to watch. They also have some you know other guys on the mound that didn't um, uh, you know play in that in that opening game. Uh, Zach Garber and Luke Servin. Uh, Zach Garber's a left-handed pitcher senior. Luke Servin's a 21 right-handed pitcher. They actually combined for a no-hitter, uh, combined no-hitter yesterday. And so just some really good things to look forward for Edison moving forward. On the other side of the ball, Cerrito, someone who, some team who I really haven't seen very much of. And uh, got a look at the senior Demetrius Viscara and Florida International commit. My first look was really impressed with what he brought to the table. 86 to 88, maybe touched 89 a couple times. This guy throws really heavy fastball, a no-seam fastball less. You don't really hear that a whole bunch, but I'm going to be putting out a story later on today on that specific game. And, um, wow, he just he, he competes really well. He's in the zone. Uh, the fastball just kind of dances around the zone and a really good – um, you know, a recruit going forward and, you know, FIU doesn't necessarily come into California a whole bunch, but uh, seems to be a good fit over there for them. Another couple guys on the underclass side for Cerritos, Nick Hill, who we've seen before in one of our hitting series we did a few weeks back, six foot three, 190 pound physical third baseman that's uncommitted. Uh, another guy to really follow, keep an eye on and, and Owen Gott, another un- underclassman catcher for, for the Dons over there, who's a really exciting young player. So they got some pieces over there at Cerritos. You know, they fell to they fell to the Chargers. Um, and, you know, both of these teams are really looking to make a statement in, in their, you know, respective leagues this year. Yeah, I really liked what I saw of Prestajko uh, over the fall during scout ball, you know, playing for, you know, for you and with the A's there, um, that the projection there is is, is off the charts. Uh, but you know, hey, anytime you have a catcher with a first name Cannon, uh, <laughs> that's a good sign. I saw them uh, last year against, uh, gosh, who was it? They, Edison was playing uh, Los Al, I believe it was, um, and and you know Morgan kind of stood out to me then. And you're right, big physical left-handed uh, hitting catcher with some juice in that bat too, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. And you know when you kind of have that combination of, you know, bat. An arm, and he can move well behind behind the dish. I mean, that's that's pretty valuable. Looking forward, so that's going to be you know a committed kid that should be you know popping up on a lot of colleges maps here. Uh, what do you got on this no seam fastball? You're right, man. It's not something you don't hear very often. No, you don't. You know what? And I didn't even know it be before the game starts. So I'm there, um, you know, behind the dish filming, uh, you know, taking some velos, and you know who's standing beside me? His dad. And so I started to pick his dad's brain. A little bit about what what he's featuring, and he actually has a four pitch mix. He only threw he only threw his fastball and, and his and his you know sweeping curveball, and and you know for, from my Twitter post you can see that's that's a pretty wicked <laughs> wicked curveball. He's also got a changeup, um, but he only used a couple pitches. But you know I I told him I was like what what is he throwing there? And he's like you know what he throws a no seam fastball. I've never really seen that before out of a high school kid, but it's. It's dancing all over the place, and um, you know maybe if maybe if he, he grips some seams, he might get a few ticks more on the velo side. But really, less. I, I I think it really works for him. So, 
you know, he, he's a developing type of pitcher, someone that you can, uh, you can really project. And obviously, you know, going over to Florida national, uh, they, they know something that, that we didn't. Yeah, no doubt. Right. And, and Nick Hill, you mentioned, and we saw him at one of our hitting series events and, I mean, he put up some some numbers on the exit below station that were just kind of eye opening, and he is a big physical dude, strong. How was he defensively for you in that game? Did, did were you able to kind of bear, lock in on him defensively? And what, what's your take? Does he stay at the hot corner? Does he move to the outfield? Does he move over to first? Uh, you know, I saw the video that you sent me of the triple that he smoked into the gap. So obviously, the bat plays. Uh, what do you got on him defensively? What do you think? Yeah, no, no doubt he can he can stay at third base. I mean, the bat plays right, and so uh, and you and you mentioned you know playing first base or outfield, and that may be option for him. Uh, you know, at, at the next level, I really think he can stay at third base. Big, strong, physical. He can swing it, move laterally, side to side. Uh, he actually made a couple really nice plays over there at third. One in on one in on a on a slow roller. He made got rid of it quickly, and another one he he went to his left. So. Um, you know, as, as far as that is concerned, I mean, he, he can stay there at third base and just kind of let the bat play. And he's pretty athletic for his size, 6'3", 190. I mean, that's that's a physical kid, and I think he's not done growing yet. So really impressed. And, you know, Cerritos doesn't get a whole whole lot of pub, uh, so to speak. And so it, it's good seeing these guys. And, uh, you know, there's good players over there. Yeah, absolutely. And he's one of those guys that I think you just kind of let him – play third until he proves that he can't or he proves that he can't right I mean you just leave him there because you're right he is really athletic and just watching him you know go home to third on that on that video that you sent me was you know that that gives you a pretty good indication of his athleticism yeah he can run he can run a little bit too yeah you know let, let's shift gears a little bit though I mean you've been you've been crushing it in terms of checking out you know the draft guys here in SoCal and you've seen a lot of guys uh, you know, since, gosh, since the end of scout ball, even during scout ball, uh, you know, a lot of guys that are going to be in the mix come draft time. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, it starts kind of, it starts and ends outside of pitchers. It, you know, when it comes to position players, it kind of starts with PCA at, 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 at Harvard Westlake. You know, we, we've talked about him quite a bit. And, and, you know, let's go through this list you sent me here of guys you want to talk about. Obviously, PCA, we know about, but let, let, let's skip over to Petey Halpin uh, at Miracosa, a guy that moved down here from NorCal, Texas commit, was a UCLA commit. Uh, you've had a chance now to see him several times since he moved down here. I've only seen him once since then, uh, but it looks like he's kind of taken his game to the next level since what we saw at Area Code Games, right? I certainly has. I mean, the the whole, his whole body of work, uh, the physicality is has improved. He's gotten stronger. Seems like he's gotten a little faster. He's filling out his uniform. We we talked on the last podcast about him too. I mean, this this outfield class less is just uh, you know we haven't seen this you know before. I'm I'm counting here: PCA, PD Halpin, Isaiah Green, Jake Jake Vogel. I mean, those are four quality outfielders that have a chance um you know to get popped this year obviously pca will be at probably top of the first round if he probably just has an average year pd halpin is obviously making a name for himself uh, coming down from norcal and he is just making gains like like you can't believe and in, in my opinion uh, he is right on the same level as as pca um and maybe even a, little, a, a tick more more power in there, but you know PCA has the experience. He's got the USA experience. Um, 
maybe a few more games under his belt. But, you know, uh, when it's all said and done at, at the end of the year, you know, who knows, um, you know, how, how far off or how far apart they'll be uh, as far as, you know, getting popped in the draft. And so um, awesome, exciting two players to watch. And, and I get to do it on, on Thursday um, uh, to watch to watch uh, Harvard Westlake and, and Mira Costa square up for that one. So yeah, that, that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, you, you talked about the four outfielders there, but there's one that I think has just skyrocketed since, you know, July of last year. Isaiah Green, a guy we're, we're both very familiar with, you know, over at Corona High School, he is playing on a different level the last, what, eight or nine months, eight months, seven months. And, and you know, we asked him over at the media day, like, what kind of, you know, what, what switched for you after that area code tryout? And, you know, he was very candid and was like, look, man, he's like, I just went back to hitting with my dad and you know, my, my dad, my, my dad set me straight and, and boy, man, to, to big Glenn set him straight or what, man, because, you know, he is, uh, he is uh, dialed in right now, Isaiah Green. Oh, he certainly is, man. And, and uh, like you said, what a, what an amazing area code games he had. And, you know, I'm sure he'd be the first to tell you about, you know, at the area code trout, he, he just didn't have a great area code trial, but you can really project Isaiah. And if you were to build, you know, an outfielder from dust, um, you know, this, this is what they, they look like. And, um, you know, he's put together physically, uh, he's, he's got tools up and down and, you know, what he did at the Eco games was, was just, you know, he was making himself money. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what, that's, that's what you can say about this kid. He's making himself some money and he is, he's starting to tap into his power a little bit. I know he's hit a two or three, uh, this fall. I know a team from Korea came in to play the Panthers over there and, uh, and he hit a couple out and, uh, there's some people in on him and, he is just, you know, making strides. So uh, great timing. Obviously, you'd hope uh, that he will continue this uh, throughout the year. And, and you know, who knows where I, Isaiah Green uh, will end up in the draft. You know, might not make it to Missouri. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know that he's going to do that. You know, they make it there. Uh, Ricky Tiedemann, the the left-handed pitcher out of Lakewood, headed SDSU. <clears throat> another guy that kind of burst on the scene last year, right? I mean, I remember you get you texting me saying, "Hey, man, I heard Tiedemann's up to 89," uh, and, and that really had blown me away because I'd only seen him about 83 to 85. Uh, and, and sure enough, you know, he comes out and all summer he's he's pumping those velos. Yeah, no, he, last two starts, he's been up to 92 and uh, gotten some really good reports, you know, on him. Last time uh, I saw him was, was a while ago, so I haven't seen his past two starts. I've just gotten a report on him, and, you know, uh, the report is he's been up to 92. Uh, the walks are down, the command is up, um, and and he, and he looks great. Obviously, um, you know, a great, great physical guy, what, 6'2", 6'3", 190 pounds from the left side. Um, another guy, you know, these San Diego State guys, I sometimes I feel bad for them because they get all these guys and, and then the draft takes them away. So obviously with Keona Cavaco last year, um, but, you know, they seem to uh, kind of have that secret sauce, San Diego State, of, of these guys. And, you know, I think they'd hope they'd make it to campus, but I think they're doing a great job of identifying these guys. Um you know, that are going to play at the next level, obviously. So Ricky Tiedemann is, 
is primed here to have a have a big year. He's had two great quality starts, uh, you know, at, at this point, and um, I'm going to get in on him in the next week or so um, again, so uh, kind of see his progress and track his progress. Yeah, one guy that's really blowing up right now uh, is Hunter Barnhart, man. That guy, you know, was up to 93, 94 recently, mm-hmm. uh, Arizona State commit. I mean, he, he's a guy that is is really starting to attract some attention. Right. He is, you know, St. Joseph's and that's, you know, St. Joseph, that's, this. that's not close to really any of us. So it's a, so it's a trek to get out there to see him. And I know his last few starts, uh, the one before preseason start, he was 93, 94. And then his first start last, uh, this week was, was around the same and, um, hearing some really good things about Hunter, got to get up there to see him. And, uh, you know, his name is obviously, you know, in draft talk as well. So um, we saw him last time at the area code games and, or the area code tryouts in, in the area code games. But, uh, you know, Hunter Barnhart, he's just making some strides here. Yeah, Paul Skeens, another pitcher, catcher, catcher, pitcher, actually, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess he towed the rubber the other day uh, against, uh, you know, and, and the coach, the opposing coach told me he was, you know, up to 93, which for a guy that hasn't been pitching a whole long, uh, a whole lot of time, uh, you know, that has got to be really intriguing to pro scouts, right? It is, and they're starting to come in on him too. So I'm, I'm fielding some calls on Paul Skeens because, you know, I went over at our pro case last year, he, he didn't pitch, and we didn't have any kind of inclination that he was a pitcher. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's getting on the bump, first-year guy, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, Air Force commits that, that that's really physical can really throw it, and uh, you know I saw him pitch over at the the Don's Roll Fall Fall Classic over there in Corona, and he was up to 92. I haven't seen 93 yet, but really athletic. He's kind of got a you know Clevenger type of finish where he really swings that door shut off his push leg, and and it's really athletic, man. And um, I'm really excited to go see him again. Obviously, with these first year pitchers, it's it's you know, hard to get a read on him, but his arm is fresh and it's really exciting. I mean, you could really dream on him, you know, maybe potentially see him as a, as a closer uh, type of guy, really tough to take these guys off of air force commits. And so, um, but he is garnering, certainly garnering some, some attention, uh, you know, from the major league baseball scouting community. Yeah, and, des- and deservedly so, and, and you know he's just a quality, quality kid, as we both know. And hey, the last guy, l- let's talk about Kevin Parada a little bit, catcher over at Loyola. I'm gonna have a chance to see Loyola take on Huntington Beach next Monday, uh, in what should be just an outstanding game. But you know, I saw Parada over at the Notre Dame game. He was just there as a fan, and you know the physicality can't be denied. Yeah. And and a lot of people don't remember that he was a pretty darn good football player at Loyola too before deciding to just focus solely on baseball but I mean here's a guy that I think with that's kind of flies under the radar too right and and is a guy that with a big spring is going to vault himself up some boards wouldn't you agree oh no doubt and you know the first point you hit on was his physicality I mean this kid is put together like like you cannot believe like almost like a you know linebacker linebacker type so um you're right, and he does fly under the radar. There's there's a lot of guys, and um, you know to look at. He he quietly flies under the radar, but what a set of tools this guy this guy has too as well. 
you know, who, who knows what, what happens, you know, at the end of the day going, going through this year. Um, I know he's obviously committed to Georgia tech and that's, you know, was, was a goal of his. He really loves that school from what I hear. And so, um, it's really up to him to kind of, like I say, put it on tape this year and, and see where it takes him. But the physical tools are there. He's got a, you know, pro type body right, right now. And that's obviously what, you know, the Brewers saw, um, you know, at, at the Eco games, just, just really projectable, um, kid. Yeah. You know, you talked about that Georgia tech commit academics from what I've been told are really, really important to him. Uh, father went to Stanford. You know, I had a conversation with, with a coach uh, in his league that told me that he's just kind of a, you know, a different type of kid. He's not the super loud kid. He's not the, you know, hey, look at me kid. Uh, but he's the type of guy that you want on, on your team and in your program. So uh, excited to get eyes on him again on Monday. Uh, but look, before we get to Monday, we got a little bit of a big game going on tonight, Huntel, over at the uh, Great Park in Orange County with the uh, uh, what number two La Mirada against number three Olu and what should be I mean obviously to date I mean it's only been four days but definitely the game of the year uh, and when it's all said and done it might be the game of the year indeed indeed uh, less uh, Jared Jones match tragic and a matchup that we've been waiting for talked about it at media day and we've obviously known about this matchup even before that so it's going to be a packed house tonight a lot of good energy um we we know how it is at those night games at uh, over there, and uh, it's going to be a packed crowd, loud, lot of people in. Super excited to see what uh, what this one brings tonight. I'm it's stoked gonna, for it. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. I mean, because oh, yeah. these these obviously are two really good teams, you know, top to bottom, but you don't get this kind of premier pitching matchup this early in the season normally. You know what I mean? I mean, we're looking at potentially, you know, 94 plus in each bullet here from these guys, which is, which is insane. So I'm really looking forward to this game tonight. And then tomorrow, uh, you got a pretty big one tomorrow and I'm, I'm ahead to a pretty good one tomorrow. Once you break down tomorrow, what do you got? Yeah. As mentioned earlier here, uh, Amir Costa is traveling to Harvard Westlake. So we got PD Halpin. Uh, up against PCA, and and those aren't the only two guys that are um, that, that we're taking a look at. Obviously, those two are the headlining guys, um, so that's going to be a great matchup. Obviously, you got Carlos over there, Maricosta, Jonas Story, and and a few others. Harvard Westlake, Christian Becerra, uh, you know the, the names just keep keep, Drew keep coming. <laughs> yeah, Bowser, uh, you know, keep naming them. There's uh, there's almost too many of them to name, but going to be a really good matchup athletes all over the field it's going to be a lot of a lot of heat in there uh on thursday as there will be tonight at this game so i I think they're kind of you know getting to this one tonight and and making their way down to harvard westlake tomorrow so super excited for that one going to be some good energy in that one too get there early though because you know how it gets back there it gets pretty packed behind the plate and you know make sure make sure you uh Make sure you say what's up to our boy, the the best PA announcer in SoCal uh, there at uh, Harvard Westlake, Corey Swaggy C. Our man, dude, that guy is about as good as they come, right? Oh, no doubt, man. I love listening to that guy, and I'll be planted firmly behind him making the call on the game. So super stoked uh, to get out there on Thursday, man. Right on, Double. Hey, man, appreciate you uh, taking us through here opening day and breaking down some draft guys. And uh, looking forward to catching up with you tonight.
Appreciate the time, Les. Welcome back to the At The Yard Podcast. Really excited to have NorCal Scouting Director Blaine Clemens join me. We're going to take a look at several sections across the northern part of the state here with Blaine. Uh, Blaine, it's it's getting close to go time in some of these sections. One of them's already underway, but man, it's, isn't it great to just have high school baseball back? Yeah, it's fun. It's, uh, you know, February is and early March can be, you know, exciting times. So sometimes the weather blooms a little earlier and it gets a little warm and then you get real excited. A couple games get in and then March happens and mid-March oftentimes some clouds are rolling in. So uh, it's always a, a good blast off to start, and then uh, maybe you got to muddle through some of that some of that rainy muck. But yeah, there's uh, there's a section rolling, and a couple others are real excited to get going, and um, and as as we are as well. Yeah, kind of. You know, that's kind of been the story down in SoCal here the last gosh four or five years. It's been uh, you know uh, uh, you know rain on the opening weekend. It's just been. You know, you get washed out, and then last year was just kind of a zoo. So let's pray that that stays away and we get some baseball action in. But, but Blaine, let, let's dive in, man. Let, let's get going with the with the North Coast section uh, up near you there uh, in the East Bay area. And, you know, obviously a loaded section uh, with some really, really good teams. Well, take us through that. It is a, it's, it's a strong section. Uh, they play great baseball in that section for a long, long time. Um, De La Salle obviously has been uh, the kind of the, the kingpin for uh, four years in a row. They've won the title. They're shooting for five this year. Uh, I've actually been uh, communicating with uh, Kyle Harrison's dad, Chris, this morning, and he's excited. They're excited um, talking about their team. And, uh, you know, they're, they're bringing back a bunch of Division One caliber players. They're bringing back one of the best pitchers in the state and the nation. Uh, they got a they got good defense. They got experienced players. They got a lot of hunger. They got a lot of expectation to win. I got a culture of winning. Um, I don't know that their conference will be as strong as it perennially is. And I think in, you know, less in a lot of ways, um, their conference with Monta Vista and Foothill and Amador, um, and other schools, Cal high has, has been really important in sharpening their sharpening that program, the De La Salle program, by the time they get to the playoffs, because it's not always easy getting through their own conference and they've seen good pitchers. And so when they see other guys, you know, in the section, that's, it's kind of like, Hey, we've been seeing, you know, like last year, they saw Josh white a few times, you know, the kid is a Cal right now. And so their expectations are high. Um, and again, going for five in a row and uh, one, one of the best sections in the state is, uh, is certainly, uh, an impressive goal, but they're going to have, I believe, uh, very significant challenges from three other programs. Uh, one, I went on record with last year in our in our preview of the playoffs podcast. Um, I I picked uh, Akalani's to beat them. Uh, Akalani's never got that chance because they lost <laughs> the first or second round. Uh, didn't score enough runs, but they're they're returning almost their entire offensive team from last year. Uh, they're they're you know up the middle with with Davis Diaz. They'll be real good. They returned three of their top four uh, innings. Um, pitchers on the mound, though a couple are two-way players, so that complicates the use of pitching sometimes. Um, you know, I think Thatcher Hurd is a wild card. You know, they're starting catcher. He's a really, really good defensive catcher, but we've seen him on the mound, and there's there's a lot to like there. Um, I think that hunger maybe that will come from losing early last year with some real strong expectations, and we had him in our rankings, you know, for most of the spring, and I think deservedly so. Uh, I believe Heritage out of Brentwood uh, might pose the most significant threats 
uh, certainly offensively. Uh, they met Dallas on the final last year, and it was kind of a runaway game for the Spartans. They ended up winning, I want to say, possibly 10 to 1. But uh, the offensive talent they bring back uh, with, with at least one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, maybe eight to nine players that had a lot of at bats um, and are good, talented kids, a number of Division I guys. I think they're going to score a lot of runs. They might have the best offense in the section. Um, they return catchers, uh, middle infielders, uh, at least two outfielders. Um, I'm just curious, you know, how the pitching will be. They do have a, a strong uh, triumvirate of three juniors on the mound, uh, starting with Christian Machado, who started their most uh, important playoff games last year, that being the quarterfinal, you know, to get them to the uh, semifinal. And um, I think that's what it was. No, first round to get to the quarter, then semifinal to get to the final. Um, and then there's Clayton Valley. Uh, who returns three Division One pitchers. Uh, two of them are left-handed uh, in Oakley and Curley, and then um, Silberone as a right-hander. Uh, they've got a fourth uh, a freshman in Kyle Conley, who, who's a really talented kid, but we'll see if see what they do to push a freshman um, if needed. Um, they have a, a good coaching staff that knows how to, how to grind through games. Uh, they know the competition in the area. Uh, they spend time on knowing their competition. Um, they got Thump with a couple guys and Pierce and, and Telly Hill, uh, they're going to have to f- figure out the, the shortstop catcher spot because they had two seniors last year that were really good and were two of their best offensive players, and they lost both those guys. So for me, that's kind of the rundown. I think, I think it's those four teams in the NCS Division One, and then you know in smaller smaller uh, division. I, I do kind of like Tamil Pius up in the North Bay um, with three really strong pitchers, uh, experienced senior catcher. Um, and the competition, I think, up in the North Bay, which you know runs from Division Two through Division Four, uh, Petaluma High should have a, a quality team if healthy. Cardinal Newman's always got expectation, just hasn't busted through in the playoffs. Uh, and I think Redwood and Larkspur um, has, you know, they have two to three uh, quality arms. And, you know, we talk, we have these chats or, or I sit here and spew a bunch of words. And my, my perspective is that I always start with pitching. Um, good high school pitching that's, you know, above average to, to college level generally works through uh, even good hitting high school lineups. That's what I've seen anyway. Yeah, you, yeah, that's that's one hundred percent. And I just want to touch on a couple guys that you mentioned there. Thatcher Hurd, I saw him MLK weekend. He was down here with the West Coast Kings, and uh, you know, got to see him on the mound. And and you're right, there's definitely something there on the mound with him. And you know, obviously a very talented catcher, but uh, you know, I think the upside there on the bump might exceed his his upside uh, behind the plate. And I agree. You, you, you talked about De La Salle and. Uh, you know, and Harrison, obviously, and, you know, a guy that uh, that has really, really impressed me. He was also down here for MLK weekend as Blake Burke, man, has completely, completely kind of redefined his body physically. He just looks better. He's slimmer, but yet stronger, uh, you know, and there are some, some serious expectations for him, I think. There's uh, no doubt. You, you know, going into the spring, but... Uh, you know, I remember, I remember the, uh, the the claim there about Akalani's last, last spring, and <laughs> yeah. you know, you you've been high on Clayton Valley now for some time now, Blaine. So, uh, you know, going back to last year, and and you know that that's going to be a really interesting team to follow. Yeah, I, I, I like I, I like the pitching staff, um, and it's not like big time power stuff. Like the hardest thrower uh, of the returning guys would be Mason Oakley, uh, left hander, and he's got a real chance to have a you know. He, he probably sniff around 90 this spring uh, on his good days. When the delivery is in sync, he can, he can, he can be a real load to handle, but between Soberone um, and then uh, uh, Eddie Curley, I think they've, so a lefty and a righty, Soberone righty, Curley lefty. I, they're both bulldog ish. Um, 
Curly definitely is. And Joey's Joey's got real good uh, feel for the baseball. He can carve up a lineup with three different pitches. Um, we saw him, you know, at our pro case last year, when I think maybe the best stuff he ever showed to anybody around here was that day. Uh, but given that the nature of that program for a long time, it's even in a year where they may not be really talented, they're a tough out. They're a tough team to play. There's just the ugly Eagles, you know, they kind of wear that with pride, uh, that name. And, and they, you know, they, they play real hard. They play real gritty. And now you're going to add, you know, I think with, with Ryan Pierce and Telly Hills, two significant offensive players, uh, one left, one right, uh, with a gritty bulldog pitching staff and some experience, you know, their positions, you know, Chase Graves in the outfield. Um, I think that I, I do. I think I think there's something to deal with. I just got to be concerned a little with that catching and and, uh, and middle infield spot there at shortstop. Um, you know, there's a sophomore catcher. Um, well, actually, I shouldn't say sophomore. Leighton Helfrich's a corner guy. Um, they have a freshman guy that can catch and Ryder Helfrich. But again, I got to believe they got a, you know, a, a junior or senior that's going to pop up and uh, and do a good job of replacing the um, Gardner was his name name last year. Yeah, and and hands down the best mascot name in the country, right? The <laughs> Eagles. <laughs> you know, I, I said I mentioned that to my wife not long ago, and she, you know, thought I was being disrespectful. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I had to pull it up on the website and say, "No, look, they are the ugly Eagles." Pretty funny. Yeah, they are. They are. yeah you know, hey, the the NCS will undoubtedly uh, once again be just a, a loaded conference or a loaded section. Uh, in the state and you know we drive make the drive down here a little bit from that area to what is probably uh is an equally as loaded section right the sac joaquin terms of uh just like a player talent and a draft perspective or even a college perspective, it might surpass the NCS because the Sac Joaquin this this year is absolutely loaded, is it not? Yeah, it is. The, the, the high-end, top-end talent talk draft and Division One um, signees and commits and all that, it's, yes, it, it, it surpasses the East Bay this year. It surpasses the NCS as a whole. Uh, and I, think that's, I don't think that's new. I think even the last couple of years, you know, at the very top of that, of that section, out, outside, of, outside of De La Salle's success um, and the quality of their teams they've had to go through, the battle to win the, you know, the Sac Joaquin section, which has been back over the last two years, uh, has been very fierce. Um, it's it's you know starts in the conference with uh, the Delta League with Jesuit and they've had Franklin for the last few years uh, as a as a very strong um, opponent. So this year I, I don't think it's much different. There's a few new schools that, that I think might sneak into the mix, uh, but I guess we're talking about a two-time defending champ in Vacaville uh, that's now returning seven Division One commits on this team. Um, probably a pretty good place to start, right? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, I just wonder, though, you know, they've had some deeper pitching the last couple of years, and they really only have one experienced arm coming back this year. And I really like him. He's an uncommitted senior named David Rodriguez, a right-hander, uh, who's a bulldog to match the, their, their mascot name. Uh, you know, they have another talented uh, pitcher, uh, for sure, and Kyle Bender, uh, who's a junior. Uh, but his he didn't pitch a ton of innings last year, uh, less than 10, I want to say, at the varsity level and playoff level, though, you know, we've seen him. But again, you know, I guess you take it like a scout, like you're, you're a suspect until you're proven, right? Like you still got to do it no matter what your talent says you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that does, that's, that's him and every other high school player in the state. Oh. Uh, but, but going you're, through, you're a suspect until you're a prospect, right? You're a suspect until you're a prospect. And even then you're only a prospect based upon tools. I mean, you gotta be, let, let's just, let's be a good high school. Let's be a good dominant high school player first, right? Before we, right. 
right. somebody's a prospect. But their their position player depth less is uh, it's real real good. I mean, Michael Brown, uh, Jared Breedwell, uh, Brian McClellan, Kenny DeSell, Nick Strong behind the plate, uh, Brewster Mott's got some thump. Um, Harrison Griffin Harrison is a young athletic player. Uh, another infielder named. Uh, Andrew Edmonds, I, I just think it's really good. They got a lot of speed. Uh, Michael Brown will walk to the plate with a power threat every time he comes up. So if they can find that, you know, pitching depth, expect them to be in the mix. And I suspect at the end of it all, uh, there's a couple teams. I think one of two will probably be there towards the end. Um, you know, we were high on Jesuit last year. They came out of the gates real slow. Uh, they went through a lot of injury issues. Uh, they lost in the first game in this first at-bat of their season against De La Salle, well, one of your favorite players in Luke Williams. Um, and that, without a doubt, uh, it derailed uh, their season for quite some time as a shortstop, leader, offensive catalyst, winning-type player, also was going to be a closer for them. Uh, and until they found some some other fill-in guys that rose to a, a little higher level uh, and got some innings under their belt, and kind of stabilized, uh, they struggled. But at the end, they were right back in the mix, and we were talking about them to maybe bust through because their pitching was really strong last year. This year, I think it'll be strong again. You're going to start with Tonk Susak. Uh, you've got Chris Baytosh as a left-hander with Kraft Field, maybe the best pickoff move in the state. And Charlie Hurley is another guy that's going to be up around 90 and a little bit above as a 6'6 right-hander with a lot of athleticism. Uh, being caught by Daniel Susak, one of the best players in the nation, um, in the senior class, Williams being a fourth arm to close games in the upper eighties with a slider, uh, Mitchell Parker's an uncommitted senior hitter, uh, who had a hit over 400 last year when they struggled offensively, but he did not. So I kind of like all of that. Um, I like the big time talent in Susac. I like the, uh, I like the upside of Hurley on the mound. I love Williams being back. So, uh, I'm high on uh, the Marauders again this year. Yeah. Another, another team that, that, we're both pretty high on, I think, and that's Turlock, man. These guys are the the talent they have is really, really something else. And obviously, you know, we know Soderstrom, we know Carrig, uh, you know, but they've got some other guys, and and they've got a sophomore catcher that we saw at the NorCal preseason All State. That I mean, I think this guy, when it's all said and done, is going to uh, have his pick of schools around the country to to go to. Yeah, I would think so. His name's Griffin Sotomayor. Uh, he's a he's a physical kid that can play uh, behind the plate, and we'll see how many innings he gets back there this year, right? I mean, you're sitting behind yeah. Strum and Carrig and uh, Dom Rodriguez if he were to get back behind the plate, but they're they're likely going to rotate between Cole and uh, and Tyler um, back there. Though they'll, they'll both of those kids will probably also fill some uh, some other roles at third base and on the mound. So there may be opportunities, uh, and if he earns it, uh, I think we saw that he's got some tools to jump in there. Um, but I, you know, maybe their their best three kids in Sados from Carrig and uh, and Andy Owen, as far as just raw talent, tools, and 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 draft interest. There's not too many schools in the state that are going to roll out three, I think, significant, legitimate draft type guys. Yeah, no, I I agree with you because all three of those guys, and and it's funny because everybody knows Tyler, right? Deservedly so, phenomenal sure. catcher, big power at the plate. Not a lot of people talk about Cole Carrig, uh, you know, but to me, he is uh, 
just an exceptional athlete, right? I mean, I saw a video uh, was yeah. sent to me of him dunking a basketball from, you know, the middle of the free throw line, which in and of itself is impressive. Uh, but, you know, he's really good behind the dish, can swing it, uh, you know, and then obviously Owen on the bump is, is also really good. But let's talk about another guy that's really good on the bump. And, you know, he, he starts for Oakmont and JT Nichols. And, you know, I give you all the credit in the world. Uh, you know, last year you said, hey, you know, here's a shortstop committed to, to Sac State. And, you know, he's pretty good. Uh, you know, you ought to check, you know, make sure you see him. Uh, and when we were up in Fresno, you and I uh, were lucky enough to see him on the mound. And it was one of those where we just kind of kept looking at each other going, huh, okay, that's that's really good. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, uh, Oakmont, I think, is going to have a chance this year, wouldn't you say? Yeah, TJ's going to – he obviously – exceptional talent, right? We brought him to our pro case and, you know, he, he ended up, you know, uh, decommitting from one program and, and, and committing to another, um, his, his arm stroke, his ability to throw hard with, with control. Uh, he's still an elite level defensive shortstop as well, by the way. Um, he's really excited. He's going to have a lot of, a lot of scouts sniffing around all spring long. Uh, he will get in the mid nineties. There will be a 96, I'm sure at some point. Um, going to have, you know, a, a heavy impact on his team, both on the mound and, and in the field and at the plate. Uh, they got a left-hander named Kai Peterson, had a real good year last year. Uh, he's an uncommitted guy to my knowledge. Uh, so they bring back two top, top, top farms, and they won the, I would say, Division Two section, right, um, yep. for this for this section, and only lost a, a handful of games. I mean, less than five. Um, they have a, a major Division One catcher behind the plate in Carson Blatnick. Uh, who's got left-handed thump. Uh, they have an excellent center fielder in Andrew Paolini, who I just, for me, I call him a hit getter. Uh, you've got, I mean, that's, that's, that's four real good players. And I don't even know their whole team quite yet. Cause I'll have to get out there and, and see them again and see who comes in behind these uh, experienced seniors. But uh, they might need one more arm to emerge, but you know, not being in the division one, uh, they could enter as a favorite for a back to back. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be a really good team. A couple other teams uh, listed here, you know, that we, we want to just kind of briefly touch on. Oak Ridge, another solid program. Rockland, I mean, they're young, but pretty talented. But you, you have Kasumnas Oaks listed as a sleeper for you here. Tell us a little bit about them and why, why you feel they're a sleeper. Yeah, they, they jumped into the Delta League last year. So they're, they're in, in Elk Grove, you have a number of public schools. You have Franklin, you have Elk Grove High, you have Pleasant Grove, and you have Kasumnas Oaks. Okay, so um, they're the newest of the schools, uh, you know, as they, as they build in that, in that region. Uh, families move in there and what have you. And, and they, they took some lumps last year. Uh, we, you know, we'd seen what we believe was their top prospect in uh, Cam Walty uh, on the mound and as a position player as well. Very talented uh, right-handed pitcher, uh, talented hitter, talented infielder. Um, we've seen, you know, their their starting shortstop and who also gets on the mound, Elvin Dielik, quite a bit. We know he's a real talented player as well. Um, their second baseman last year is back, Kevin Suhu, who was a, an experienced player. Um, you know, you've got one of the best junior defensive catchers in the state, John Sheehan, who's, who's starting to come on a little bit offensively as well, who's going to end up having some pro interest. Uh, they've got a, a right-handed pitcher. I got a glimpse at in Fresno last year. Uh, Steve Brooks is his name, and came to our preseason event early and was was above, you know, I want to say up to eighty-seven. He's a six-six right-hander with quick, clean arm. So I think there's something definitely there. And I just think taking those lumps as young players last year in a really strong league, obviously it helps. And uh, so I, I know you got to find some school that might might um, might sneak up on some people. And and given that you know you just talk about those four programs and that in that city is, is that 
you got to believe in their as as they're growing up as 10 11 12 13 year olds are playing against each other in youth leagues and little leagues and, and what have you and and uh you know they're not going to be afraid of other good competition right so i think that's that's exciting so yeah you gotta you gotta let, uh, uh, put a dart on a sleeper here and i, I like assume the Oaks to maybe sneak up on some people yeah ponderosa is another team you, you mentioned here smaller school good arms obviously ty uber there uh you know they could be pretty uh sneaky here in, in the sack joaquin section but let's Let's kind of take the, the, the drive, you know, down to the south a little bit into what is quickly becoming one of the, uh, you know, I mean, not quickly becoming. It's always been a hotbed for talent, but yeah. it, it's starting to get the recognition, uh, you know, for being a hotbed for talent in the central section. And, you know, obviously it starts with the track there in the central section. Those that 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 league is is. You know, a lot of people call it the Trinity League of the of the of the Valley, and you know, deservedly so. But you know, we've got a few teams here that, that we want to take a look at, and, and a huge matchup last night. Number twelve Clovis North defeated number thirteen San Joaquin Memorial four to nothing. And you know, let's talk about Clovis North. I mean, this is a team that you're really familiar with. I'm familiar with some players on this team, uh, and it's a program. And, and I use that word program that is getting to that. Hey, we just reload not rebuild kind of mentality. Yeah, they're uh, they're really good. And they had expectations last year as a good team, and it didn't quite come all the way through. Uh, they're starting, you know, with one of the state's best uh, pitchers in, in uh, Riley Cooper. Um, he, he, was, uh, he threw yesterday and complete game, uh, what you, two hits, nine, nine strikeouts, I believe, against a quality offensive Sam, Sam, uh, uh, Joaquin Memorial, San Joaquin Memorial team. Um, they have another senior who's uncommitted, to my knowledge, presently, who we saw at our uh, preseason event down there, Ryan O'Hara, who had an 11 strikeout no hitter in his first outing versus what I feel is a pretty quality Hanford club, to be honest with you. Wow. Um, uh, they have another left-hander named Caden Larson, who's more of a, a craft touch feel left-hander, but quite good. So they're going to run out three uh, at, at a minimum um, Division One caliber pitchers, two of which being left-handed, uh, Cooper being one of the more experienced pitchers in the state as well. He's been doing this for for quite some time. Um, offensively, you know, it's kind of an exciting mix of uh, they have a, a new catcher this year um, behind the plate, uh, taking over uh, from a senior last year. They've got um, athletic uh, position players in Reese Kent, uh, Ryan Vance. They got some uh, some budding young power and a young man named Blake King. Um, they have some 2022s are going to get in the mix probably before long. And it's just, there's excitement. They have a really good senior uh, hitter named Nolan Inouye, who's kind of a glue guy who can really compete against other teams, top guys. So, yeah, and they're off to a great start. You know, they played San Joaquin Memorial last night, as we're talking about, and they're making the move to division one in the central section this year. And, and so they've, and they've won, I think the last two titles in, in division two, so they're, you know, challenging themselves, which I totally applaud, by the way. And and uh, they, you know, they, they got to hand it to them a little bit yesterday. But, you know, I think they'll be heard from down the road with the offensive talent of uh, Seguspe, um, Davis, uh, Saldivar, uh, the Bells, uh, McMillan. Um, I just don't, I just got to be curious on on the mound. Are they going to are they going to find enough to match up with uh you know, with a Isaac Aon of Buchanan or a Sean Henderson or Noah Galvin from Clovis West or a Cooper O'Hara. I mean, that's the best teams have at least two guys uh, on their staff that are really tough to deal with. 
Yeah, that's a lucky memorial team. You just mentioned those guys, the Goose Bay Davis, Saldivar, the Bells, McMillan. I mean, that that's a that's a lineup that that's that's pretty potent, right? And you know, pitching at Clovis West appears to be a strength, and you know, Coach Patrick is is I, I'm sure hoping for you know a little bit of a bounce back uh, year this year. Um, you know, the, the expectation at these programs is a Central Coast section, or pardon me, a Central section title or bust, right? I mean, and it's it's awesome because they run their programs kind of like the, you know, it's very similar to a college program. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Clovis West, pitching is pretty deep there, and then they have a, a really good catcher. Yeah, I, I like the left-hander Henderson. Um, I like the right-hander Galvin as a one-two punch, both Division One guys. Uh, they got a guy, another guy that's a, uh, uh, Eric Budd is his name. I saw a little bit of last year's strike thrower, a uh, chance to, to really compete and be one year better. And, and yeah, the catcher Hayden Driggs going to St. Mary's is uh, an experienced, talented um, defensive player uh, with a good motor. I watched him make some real nice plays down in the tournament last year, block, recover, throw guys out, uh, quality quality bat. Um, you know, the Golden Eagles come every single year, and it's, it's no secret that they expect to compete, and they always do. And, and it's, you know, it's always a testament to the region, whether it's Clovis High who has one of my you know, favorite players in the state, Noah Beal, um, who's really one of my sleepers draft-wise for the spring. I think he could really make a jump, and I'm hoping some scouts get down in there. I, I, I got a gut feel on him for sure. Um, you know, uh, Kobe Croft is another player for them that's got some real, real upside talent. So, you know, they snuck up on everybody at the end of the last year and ended up winning the title um, kind of out of the blue a little bit, right? I and mean, we saw them in the in the Fresno Easter Classic against Jesuit one night against Tonk Susak, and uh, they kind of – kind of piece by piece, slowly but surely kind of went through it and, and put up enough runs and, um, you know, kind of gave us a preview of how good they could be down the road, especially with their uh, their catcher was uh, Blake uh, 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 Darian Miller, who was drafted and signed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was we both really like Darian Miller and and I'm with you on Noah Beal, man. I think he's a guy I saw him. Not uh, well, I saw him last year, but the year before that at the at the Fresno Easter Classic as a sophomore, you know, low eighties, but you could just see the arm action, the path. It was clean. It was, it just really, really worked for him. And then you know, obviously, what we saw from him uh, at the Easter Classic last year, and you know, he's kind of carried that over. I, I think he threw last night, or 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 it might have been the night before. I saw, uh, but you know, he's 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 a good one. Speaking of good ones, uh, Buchanan seems to be once again uh, have some really really good young talent on their roster. Yeah, I think their challenge is definitely going to be replacing a lot of uh, high quality innings from from a year ago. Um, but they're going to start with Isaac Aon on the mound, who's you know right, a right-handed power arm guy in the low 90s at times, uh, with the chance to uh, also get guys out with his breaking ball. So he's got a chance on the opposite side of any good team they face in a playoff scenario um, to keep his team in the game and, uh, and go through a lineup on his own. Um, they're going to have to find some other arms to emerge, though, right? That's been the story of a few of these other teams. But I, I think position player-wise depth, and it's really not so much at the senior level. It's, it's the juniors and sophomores. Um, that we've seen a number of them that, you know, it, who knows how youth and when it comes on and when it blossoms and when it blooms. Uh, but from a team of Becerra to a Josh Williams and a catcher, Austin Young, who I think can really hit um, one of the best outfielders in the 22 class, a, a young man named Corbin Ibarra, who I just think is an exceptional talent. Um, Max Bernal, uh, pitcher, uh, left-handed, uh, first baseman, left-handed pitcher, got, got bat talent, got arm talent. Um, you know, there's an Evan Wallace who's an outfielder can run, uh, and these are younger guys. So younger guys are going to take some lumps. So maybe just look for Buchanan. 
Uh, Luke Sula, as a, as a senior pitcher, will come from a little bit of a different arm angle and a competitive kid. Just I'd kind of say keep an eye on Buchanan. Like they might take some lumps early and the record might not like jump off the page, but see in their stats as you watch and go through, like how are the young guys doing? Who's ascending? Who's going to be there? Because by the time this, you know, in the title time roll around, um, if that young talent starts to get a little confidence and roll, uh, they could be a problem. Yeah, no doubt. And Buchanan always well coached. That program is is it's just one of those programs, right? And you know that's a that's a good recap or preview or outlook of the central section in terms of the top four teams as we see it. Uh, and now let's 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 go north north of the wall here, Blaine, as you like to say, mm-hmm. uh, and, and let's dive into the uh, the northern section where it appears you know. The Chico area uh, this year, I mean, every year there's, you know, a guy or two that comes out of there. Uh, obviously, the Pleasant Valley High School and Chico High School. But it looks like those two teams are the teams to beat up in that area. Yeah, it could just be my recency bias from having been up there running that Far North Showcase, the preseason event a couple weekends ago. Uh, there were a number of kids from both Pleasant Valley and Chico High there, and so I got a, a pretty good chance to see some of their tools up close and, and, and in person. Obviously, we're not watching game competition that day, so um, you know, obviously, tools are are, are great to have, but uh, being competitive in a game matters matters a little bit more. But uh, just given the history of, of Pleasant Valley, they've been you know a, a favorite for years. They won the section title last year. Uh, they had one of the best players in the state. Um, and Colin Barber was drafted and signed. They had a, a, a full senior outfield of, of Division One guys, um, left-handed bats. Uh, so I think they were kind of a little overwhelming in some ways versus some of their competition. But you know, with with them this year, and I'll start with them because they, they they won the title. But you know, they have a senior shortstop, uh, Jacob Fleener, who I, I I really 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 dig. Man, I, he's if he was just a, a seven pounds stronger, bigger, whatever, or maybe ran just a tick better. I think division one guys would be all over. I still think they should be peeking in there. Um, he's a really talented young man, left-handed who can really definitely play the position. Um, they have a right handed pitcher named Dustin Niles, who's really quality arm, maybe the best pitcher in that region up there. They have a, a power arm, power bat outfitter and uh, Doherty. Uh, they got a young one in Jordan Riley. We've seen a couple times a pitcher outfielder. Uh, they have a, a, another infielder named, uh, Cooper Thacker, uh, another talented player, kind of a twitchy young kid. So they'll be good. I, I just I took a liking to some of these Chico high school kids, though. Um, and Eli Rainey is an outfielder pitcher, is a junior. Uh, Joey Van Dusen, another outfielder pitcher. An infielder named uh, LaRocca who can run and has got a little bit of tools. Uh, Ryan Edwards is there, and you know Ryan um, is a catcher pitcher. Uh, you know, they got a, a junior uh, outfielder. Um, Jake Hammond, his older brother, uh, I was familiar with, was a toolsy kid who's at Sac City now, and, and this younger one's got more tools and more upside as an outfielder with a big arm and, and some twitchy bat skills. I just, they're a little younger, um, I think, than, uh, than, than the Vikings of Pleasant Valley, but uh, I, think, I think the D2 title up there, which is the highest uh, level they play up there, will come from the city of Chico. But I guess you got a, Red Bluff's got two uh, significant players in uh, the Tweet Twins. Um, I don't know enough about the rest of their program, but I do know uh, in my time in, in Northern California baseball, which goes back to 1999, that uh, Red Bluff High School has got a good baseball program and a good culture. So uh, given they have two elite level players um, at the high school level there, uh, I'm guessing there's going to be some other guys in that program that are coming along right behind them. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Ryan Edwards. He's a guy that we took to the future games last summer and just a quality, quality kid and, and a heck of a talent, man. He got up on the bump out there and and just carved for us. Uh, I think it was against Arizona where uh, he was he was really, really good on the mound and obviously um, a very talented catcher behind the plate, too. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, that shakes out there in, in the northern section. But, Blaine, before I let you go, I'm interested – Give me, if you will, kind of, you know, one, two, maybe even a third kind of storyline that you're looking to um, that you're looking to follow this year. Something that that is really, uh, you know, kind of top of mind, something that really intrigues you as far as it pertains to, you know, any of these sections that you took a look at today. Well, I I think if you go, you know, 3000 foot view or even go higher, uh, the session competition is great. Uh, we always like to watch the playoffs of, of each individual area. Um, you know, living in Northern California for as long as I have, you gain an appreciation for the style of play in every kind of section. Each region is a little bit different one from the other. Um, I, I just think what's most exciting for me, I think we've mentioned this before in a previous chat, was it's, it's the level of professional talent that is in, is in the northern part of the state this year. Um, how many significant draft guys are here in the high school level that I think more than anything, I mean, you know, we like to get out and scout in the spring and we like to see those guys. But we're also always hunting too for the younger players that we're going to see coming down the road. Some of these guys that are already, you know, really well known. Um, it, we don't want to see them too many times, but I just think this spring it's going to be hard for me to not go in and check in on a, on a Turlock, on a Jesuit, um, you know, down in San Jose with, with Nick York at Mitty, um, and just seeing these, uh, we, we've, we've got some, we got some major dudes this spring up here. And, and I just think the draft buzz, I'm going to run into cross checkers, not just area guys all gather. There's going to be, there's going to be a lot of traffic through the Northern part of the state this spring. So obviously the playoffs, we love competition of section playoffs and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I, I want to get out there and see TJ Nichols. You know, I want to be there when he bumps 96. Uh, you know, so I'm just, I think that's where I'm really, really super excited uh, about the spring season. I mean, storylines of teams and what have you. And we, the, the 2022 talent in the northern half of the state is also no joke either. Um, so I'm excited to see some of these young guys, you know, pop. But uh, I just think our high end talent, um, Tyree Reed's out at American Canyon High School, one of the best 2021s in the nation. So uh, he's going to get major draft buzz in the, in the upper upper rounds, you know, for the 2021 draft. And Davis Diaz and and Tom Susak. And so we've got some guys that I'm going to go check in on. I'm going to try and become extremely, if not, well, I'm already pretty familiar with most of them, but even more um, as uh, as they are now firmly on the radar of uh, of the big league clubs. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, and I think we got a glimpse of it at the pro case last year, right, up in Northern California, where we had, gosh, about 30 guys there, and I think all but two big league clubs were there, some of them with multiple scouts, and it just goes to show you the the depth of the talent in the northern part of the state, and you're right, I mean, you look at just kind of how we have our rankings, right, and, and you've got, I mean, Two Northern California guys, number two and three in Harrison and, and Soderstrom, uh, you know, and you break out the top 10, you've got, you know, four or five. So, I mean, it's pretty evenly split. And, you know, by the time the draft comes around, that could 
that could sway in favor of Northern California because, man, the talent up there is just enormous. And, you know, we had a, a, a SoCal High School Baseball Media Day a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago, and uh, Petey Halpin, who transferred from St. Francis down here mm-hmm. in Maricosta, uh, was one of the players in attendance. And I asked him, you know, I said, hey, Petey, what's kind of the what's been the biggest difference you've noticed from you know being in Southern California here for what four or five months to you know growing up in, in Northern California? And he said, you know, the first thing that came out of his mouth was being able to play this time of year. Uh, you know, yeah. so you know this this was this was a few weeks ago and and you know towards the end of January, he's like, man, he's like, we've been playing all of January. Like you don't get that opportunity to play outdoors. You know, all in all of January in northern california so uh you know that that really i think is, explains a little bit as to why you know maybe the socal talent might be a little bit ahead of, of the norcal talent but when you look at this year in particular uh you know to me it's pretty even and i mean either i or you or both of us or somebody on our team has seen all of these guys multiple times and yeah when you know when we break it down and are able to go kind of apples to apples it's it's really exciting you know and that's one of the what excites me, you know, you always say that to me, like, hey, you got to get up here so you can look at this apples to apples. And, um, you know, it's true. And, and and so I think the draft talent in this class is, it, it particularly, like you said, in Northern California is definitely one of the storylines for me. You know, and then you look at 22 uh, or, yeah, the 22 class, that that's pretty deep, too, like you said. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't even mention, you know, we went through team by team kind of for our talk today, but another elite player in Chase Davis, you know, is at Franklin high and he's in that Delta league with Jesuit. Um, you know, there's, there's Eddie Park down at Valley Christian and when Keith Jones, we mentioned a real Britain, a capital Christian and, uh, Jerron Watts Brown down at Hanford was one of my favorite in the whole state. I mean, I just think he's got a really significant ceiling. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's got a ceiling that's significant and drew doubt at Sarah and, uh, Garrett Forrester at Bella Vista. These are, these are, I mean, that's down like top, 20 in Northern California in our rankings. We're talking about players, significant prospects, 20 deep in Northern half of the state. So, um, you know, Northern California has got a reputation of kids, generally speaking, not signing unless they're, um, and I think rightly so in the first, second, third, maybe fourth round of the draft historically, right? I think there's been a few more kids from the Southern half of the state that have signed in maybe rounds, or maybe they got pushed up into those rounds just because they were seen a few more times based upon early, early exposure with the good weather, right? I, I think this year changes a little bit for some of these guys. And I, I more, than, more than a couple of them, I believe, are going to have that opportunity to say yes um, to a big league club, uh, given where their talent, and not just a signability question. I mean, that's always a factor. There's no doubt about it. Certain kids go to certain high schools, get a repu- reputation for being tough to sign and instead of being taken on an individual you know, basis. And I think that's a mistake that sometimes it can be made. Um, but between Kyle and Tyler and I think Daniel and Chase, you know, if I could pinpoint, I think my four like most toolsy, talented uh, of the guys up here, um, I think each, of, each one of those four is going to uh, uh, be really fun to watch this spring. Yeah, and... And, and, and you're right, and you're lucky you get to do that pretty regularly, just like we get to do it down here with the SoCal guys. But, you know, Blaine, that was an awesome, awesome, re- you know, kind of preview of these divisions, these sections, and, you know, a little chat there about some draft guys. And just want to thank you for uh, making some time and coming on the podcast today. Well, thanks for ringing me up every once in a while. <laughs> get out of here, man. <laughs> 
Big thanks to Ryan, Jack, Doe, and Blaine for coming on the podcast today to break things down. Be sure to check us out at prepbaseballreport.com slash California for all your news and information. And until next time, we'll see you at the yard.